button? Is it on? Okay. I pushed it without looking at it, so I just wanted to make sure. I want to recap shortly before I start the next part of the sermon series. The, the series that we've been going through is called Charting Your Course. And the first message was called Seeking God's Direction in Uncertainty. And in it, we talked about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, focusing on him and not our circumstances, and finding strength in God's presence. The second part of the sermon series of charting your course is trusting God's plan. So after you seek him, you need to trust him. We talked about trusting God's direction. We talked about how Abraham had four major failures in his life where he wasn't trusting God's direction, and yet how even in his failures, God still protected and corrected those paths. Thirdly, which was last week, we talked about walking in faith and not fear, and how God's purpose for many people is often fulfilled on the other side of fear or pain. How we overcome fear with the power of with power, love, and self-discipline according to 2 Timothy 1.7. And today, we're going to be continuing this, charting your course with endurance in adversity. And I think something, you know, this church really loves the Chiefs for the most part. Something when I think about sports athletes, the guys that I really admire, I think of Tom Brady, I think of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan or Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi, they far exceed other athletes in their position, and even Patrick Mahomes. But the reason why I think we look at them in such a way is they also often do far more work in the unseen hours than almost anyone else. Kobe Bryant would wake up at 3 in the morning and he would have multiple practices by himself before he actually went into team practice. Michael Jordan was the same way. So we see these guys become great, but the reality of this is they've put themselves in the place of being and having more adversity. So that when push came to shove in the game, they actually did far better. Today, as we talk about endurance, I decided to do a Merriam-Webster's um, lookup on the word endurance. A bearing of suffering, a continuance under pain or distress without resistance or without sinking or yielding to the pressure. Sufferance. Patience. Their fortitude was most admirable in the presence of evil and pain and even death. A delay of waiting. I'm going to move this. I like to walk when I preach, so I'm just going to do that. So, growing up, there, I, I loved reading pirate books and adventure books of shipwrecks and I wanted to be somewhat of kind of an explorer. When I was young, I'd also 
dig around looking for fossils. And my mom would also go out and bury a box of hidden treasure, which resulted in a few quarters and a few small toys. And then she'd make a treasure map, and then I would go try to find it based off of the treasure map. And, you know, she would do it based off of, you know, take five steps this way, and then, you know, this many steps. So it was really easy as a kid to find the, uh, the treasure overall. But I really admired men who really went on adventure and were explorers. Growing up, I liked Christopher Columbus because that's all who I knew. And then I heard of Lois and Clark. And then as an adult, I heard of a guy by the name of Ernest Shackleton. Have any of you else heard of this guy? He is one of my favorite explorers. And he was wanting to uh, be the first explorer to reach and explore Antarctica. And when I first heard about him, it was based off of this ad and the mindset and the mentality that he had and the men that he was trying to attract for this adventure. So out in the New York Times, uh, when he, I think it was the New York Times, in his day, which was like the 1800s, I believe, or let's see, no, 1914, he made a post and he wanted really gritty men. And this is the post that he put out in the newspaper. Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in the event of success. Talk about sitting, setting up for someone's expectations. Like, this is going to be a very hard journey. And he got a group of men. Their ship was called Endurance, okay? And so here's a little story about Ernest Shackleton and the men that I want to read to you uh, as we get into today's message. In the heart of the Atlantic, where icy winds howled and glaciers loomed like frozen giants, Ernest Shackleton, a legendary explorer, embarked on a daring expedition in 1914 with his ship, the Endurance, to set sail with a crew of 27 men bound for the uncharted territories of the South Pole. Shackleton was no stranger to adversity. He possessed an, an, imbi- an indomitable spirit for exploration. His previous experiences earned him a renowned name, but the allure of the Antarctic's untouched wilderness called to him once more. As the endurance forged through treacherous waters, Shackleton's leadership showed great. His command and respect with his unwavering resolve and compassion for his crew, with meticulous planning and foresight, he prepared for the challenges ahead. However, the fate had other plans. The endurance became trapped in a grip of shifting ice blocks, its hull cracking under immense pressure. Shackleton faced a stark reality, survival against the elements. Undeterred, Shackleton rallied his crew, fostering the camaraderie amidst the icy desolation. Despite dwindling supplies and relentless cold, he remained a beacon of hope, instilling courage in the hearts of his men. Months turned into years. 
as the endurance remained ensnared in the ice. Shackleton's resolve was tested like never before, yet he refused to succumb to despair. Instead, he devised daring plans for his crew to escape. In a remarkable feat of endurance, Shackleton and his men embarked on a harrowing journey across the frozen expanse. They braved blizzards, caverns, hunger, and their spirits were, how can I put this, unwavering. Finally, after 22 grueling months, Shackleton and his crew reached safety, rescued by a daring rescue mission. Though they had failed to reach the South Pole, their triumph over adversity became the stuff of legends. Ernest Shackleton's legacy endures as a testament to the human spirit's resilience in the face of insurmountable odds. His unwavering leadership and boundless courage continues to inspire generations, reminding us that true greatness lies not in victory, but in the journey itself. What's also unique around the same time is there was another group trying to reach the South Pole, but they all died. Ernest Shackleton, not only did they get shipwrecked for two years in Antarctica, but somehow found a way to keep every single man alive and return home. James 1, Consider all joy, my brothers, whenever you encounter various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Years ago, and I think I shared this with you guys at the beginning of the year, it was like back in 2008, I prayed for a prophetic word that God would give me so that I could live in that year and that he wanted to do within me. One of those years, after that, the word, um, dang it, I just had a brain fart here. Oh, patience. Right? Patience. I was like, God, I want patience. And so I went up and looked at the definition of patience. And patience is the endurance of one's character under stress and pressure. And so there is a formula, actually, to build patience. And it's to put yourself in stress and pressure. When you think of people who are bodybuilders, people who work out, they put themselves in a place of stress and pressure to have their muscles torn down so that it may be rebuilt. It's the same for the quality of diamonds. The more pure the diamond, the more stress, pressure, and heat that that diamond faced. I want to read Romans 5, starting in verse 3. Not only this, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produce patient endurance. And patient endurance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and He has given it unto us. So, hardship challenges your standards. Standards build endurance, and endurance builds character, and character creates hope. 
What's unique to this process as Christians is it's really easy for us to become like the majority of NBA players or other sports athletes where they reach the level of success and they practice and they do their work that they're supposed to do with their coaches, but they don't do the work that a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady does. They get there and they're like, all right, I made it, I'm good, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do, and I don't push myself for more. And, you know, I'm 35. There are many times in my life where I've had seasons where I've really pushed myself to grow in faith, and then there have been seasons where I have kind of relaxed and allowed my previous knowledge, my previous teaching, my previous understanding help me coast in the next season of life. And through that process, what I notice is through this process of the spiritual attack that we're always going to be in because we're children of God and that there's a real enemy who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy us, what ends up happening is then as I begin to coast, my eyes then get taken off God. And then like I was talking about in one of the first ones, they get focused onto my circumstances versus God. And as that happens, what ends up going on in my life is that all of a sudden I'm creating guard, not guardrails, but rails that keep me from seeing God because I'm worried and focused on my own situation. And the ways that we can overcome becoming complacent is the real main purpose of today's message. We can create spiritual disciplines in our life to help us grow our faith, but specifically our standards, which help us build endurance. Because if we have low standards in hard times, we succumb to hard times. But if we have high standards, then during hard times, it's much easier to have success. There's a quote, and hopefully I don't butcher this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times or hard times. And then the cycle repeats. And it's something that's true even in our spiritual walk. And so there are three areas of our life that we can look at to strengthen ourselves, our spirit, our mind, and our body. In terms of Old Roberts University, where I graduated, we call that the whole person. And it's important that when we build ourselves up in faith, we're building ourselves up in a holistic perspective unto God. And today I want to talk about three disciplines that we can train ourselves in within our spirit. I want to start off by reading 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. And we'll also touch on this on each point. Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. So three disciplines that we can implement into our life on a daily basis is rejoicing, 
prayer and practicing thankfulness. When we rejoice and when we show joy, it helps create a mindset against helplessness. It helps us to transition from a negative mindset and situation to a positive mindset and outlook that we can overcome obstacles and we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What's also unique about rejoicing, according to Nehemiah 8.10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You ever meet someone who is going through a very difficult season of life, but yet they're a radiant of joy? I have a friend, his name is Keith Wheeler, and he currently just had a double bypass with open heart surgery this week. And he's the man that carries the cross around the world. He lives here in the area. You may have seen him at one point or another. And I've been seeing updates that his wife has been writing about. And something that's so unique is even after heart surgery, you, they want him to move around and, and walk. But when he walks, he's, he got a small cross. Not his 12-foot, you know, 75-pound cross, but a small cross that he puts on his shoulder. He's carrying his IVs thingy, and he's carrying the cross around the hospital ward where he's at. And I thought that's so impressive. Not just because he's doing it, but the hardship that he's going through, he's still maintaining an eternal perspective. It really makes me think of Luke 9.23 when he says, then if you want to be my disciples, you must shoulder your cross daily and follow me. The cross is a place of discomfort and adversity, but as Americans we have become so accustomed to comfort that we actually pursue comfort over spiritual growth. And I am so guilty of this. Because comfort is this idea of if you are in discomfort, if you are in hardship, something is wrong. And so what tends to happen is we have this mindset that when we face adversity, it isn't right. So if we're in a place of comfort it becomes more right. And I heard a quote by the name, from a guy by the name of Gary Brecka. He's a health expert. He, he was an actuary for insurance companies, so he could pinpoint to the month, barring no uh, outside calamity, when he would look at all the information given to him on someone's blood tests for life insurance, he could pinpoint to the month of what year someone would die. And he talks about how aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. And through that process, when I thought about that spiritually, spiritual decline is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. One of the second things that we can do on top of rejoicing as it says in 1 Thessalonians 17, pray consistently. Engage in prayer consistently helps develop inner peace, truth, and resilience in the face 
of challenges. There are seasons where, you know, I think we all have a season where we pray more based off of what we're going through circumstantially. And I look back in my life, and I remember one of the specific seasons, and I kind of mentioned this, was when I was doing the snow cone shack over here in 2008. And while I was working, there were no smartphones, and so I just spent a lot of alone time. And through that process, I just prayed a lot throughout the day while I was working. And what ended up happening is prayer started becoming not something that I did for a specific occasion or result, but it became a lifestyle. And so now if I'm driving in the car, I pray. At night, I pray. probably should pray more with my spouse. I probably should pray more with my kids and teach them about the lifestyle of praying. But it went from something that I did to get something or a way to just represent myself to God but as a way to be in constant connection and relationship with Him. And prayer doesn't mean that I have to speak words either. Solitude and silence is also another form of prayer. Oftentimes Jesus would go by himself in solitude to spend time with his Father. And I have found that practicing silence has been a very unique perspective in prayer because it allows me to clear my mind and just focus in on God, and if he speaks, he speaks. And what happened for many years of my life is I so expected to get something from him to come out of that, which said, okay, this time was worth this prayer. I learned something. I gained something. And what happened is when I wasn't learning and when I wasn't gaining, it became discouraging, and then I therefore slowed down. And then as I stepped more into maturity, and then I realized it's not about walking away with a fresh revelation. It's literally just about being with God. And that the victory, as what I talked about with Ernest Shackleton, wasn't in the achievement or reaching the North Pole. It was in the journey. And so when we pray, it's not about the specific answer, but it's about being with God regardless of what that looks like and how we can implement that into other areas of our life. There is a famous um, monk by the name of... Well, his real name was Nick Herman, but his brother Lawrence was his Catholic name. And he got demoted. He, he got injured in a war, and he had no way of providing for himself, so he joined a monastery. And then what ended up happening is he was placed as the treasurer of the monastery. He was terrible at math. So he got demoted to being the cook. Let's just say the other monks did not like his food. He was a terrible cook. He got demoted to being the guy who went and got the groceries. But because of his physical disability and his wound that he got in his leg, it took him forever to get the food. And so then he got demoted again. And then he got demoted to being a dishwasher. And he has a 
there's been a compilation of his letters that have kind of somewhat created a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And he talks about how as a dishwasher he experienced God in some of the most profound ways because he wasn't focused on achievement. He wasn't focused just on the task at hand, but allowing God to just be in every area of his life. And he talked about how that became what his prayer life looked like. And then God, through that process, started blessing him with really profound insight and revelation. And people from all over the world came to listen to this dishwasher teach about prayer and solitude and quietness and stillness before the Lord. Lastly, in these three, we got rejoicing, prayer, and practicing thankfulness. Philippians 4, 6, 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When we practice prayer and thankfulness, we step into a more state of peace. When we practice thankfulness, we cultivate a mindset of gratefulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God. But what's so unique about what goes back into verse 19 so that you don't quench the Spirit. These three things, God said, do these three things so you don't quench the Spirit of God. If, you, if you're thinking to yourself, God, I just really need more of you right now. I need to fill your Spirit more. These are the three things that you can do. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. You build spiritual endurance and godly character by living a life of rejoicing, a life of prayer, and a life of thankfulness. So today, as we end, if the worship team would like to come up and get ready to, to sing our, our song. If you're here, and you want salvation, we'd love to have you come forward. If you're already saved, but you're like, you know what, God, I, I don't want to quench that spirit. I want more. And you want to come forward and to be prayed with? We'd love to have you. And then also at the end of that, we're going to invite two new people who want to be a part of this church as well. So, Anne, if you'd like to start.